<laughs> Roman, I heard uh, I heard that you tried on a Supergirl apron the other day. I did try on a Supergirl. Well, I didn't try it on. I came in, Colette took it off herself and put it on me. Thing is, I didn't know it was an apron. I thought these were cute little dresses. And she put it on me. She's tying it on me. And I'm like, there's no back on this dress. What kind of dress is this? So then, of course, my mind went to, it's a sex dress. <laughs> and then my mind went to, wow, I didn't know Django was going to have us carry, like, sexual products. <laughs> but there's no back on this thing. What else could it be? It's a sex dress. It's Richie, a cute sex dress. That's why we have that back hallway. <laughs> the yeah. bathrooms and around the corner. Yeah. There's a whole yeah. variety of product that is remarkably unsuccessful because we don't advertise it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, I made the joke to her that, you know, I shouldn't have anything on underneath this. And Please, kinda, God. And she kind of looked at me like, uh... And that, yeah, and I said the thing about the sex dress, and her, who was it? Her, Darcy, and... And Eli. Was it Eli there, too? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Eli and, and Colette's husband, <coughs> and they all were looking at me like, Roman, what? It's an apron. And I think Colette held up the little thing that says apron. <laughs> and I was like, ow. Oh. Podcast, uh, where every week we bring comics from UPS. Hi, Jana. And we bring them to our, our comics place, uh, bring them upstairs, sort through them, uh, set aside some for our customers, set aside the, some uh, for us. Uh, the incoming aprons or any other yep. possible attire. We, we try, on all, all, try on everything. Um, <laughs> And uh, then we go to our respective quiet places. Quiet places. <laughs> oh, Django is very cute. God, it's been so our, long our since you didn't Sanctorum? do this. Ooh, that sounds gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we go to our respective quiet places and we read the comics, and then we congregate back here in our recording hall uh, where <laughs> we talk about the comics. Yeah. Uh, our store. Yeah. Store, yeah. The comings and goings of our lives. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, that's my favorite part of the podcast. The comings and goings <laughs> of our lives. <laughs> when we either get that right or wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I got nothing. Your success rate's higher than mine. I've done a lot of them and, and messed up the comings and goings of our lives. Well, you've you've done a lot more of them in general. You're right, Bailey. Don't let Jeff drive. Oh, he Jeff. won't ever give the won't ever give the reins up. <laughs> um. Listen, during this podcast, listen, Braden. Mm. During this podcast, we're going to be talking about the books and the comings and goings of our lives. So if you're worried about uh, having content spoiled for you, you know, maybe pause the podcast. Step aside. Yeah, plug your ears. And good luck doing that with those cute little earbuds in. Oh, thanks, <laughs> buddy. I do listen to the whole thing with earbuds. Uh, um, yeah, pause it. Go read your books. Come back. Or, you know, if you're like me... Uh, just listen. Yeah. I heard. I heard once the doctors said that spoilers actually enhance your experience with. Yeah, the media. live on the edge. Live on the yeah. fine line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Plus, like we get these up Mondays ish, 
sometimes Thursday, Friday-ish. Dude, that's we plenty are, of time to we read are your books. Committed yeah. to Monday at this point. If Monday it comes up after Monday, you guys. That is Django's fault. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. It's true though. I'm gonna teach you the end part. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, this week we're gonna be talking about Batman thirty-five. <gasps> Uh, also, Generation Gone number... God, what number five is it? Five. Number five, sure. Number five. <laughs> number five. And Doctor Strange number... Hold that up again. 381. First issue of... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we're finishing up with a Batman who laughs. Who the hell was Whoa, that? Whoa, was that Brayden? <laughs> it wasn't Brayden. Well, is Justin, Justin back? back? No. no. Listen, it's neither. <laughs> oh, it must be Jay again. Jay... <laughs> Guys, welcome Ty Presto to the podcast. Ty, it's a pleasure being here. That's Ty, for sure. Ty, welcome <laughs> aboard, buddy. Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, we've been trying to do this for a while. Yeah, I'm scheduling errors, but I'm here now, and it's dope. You made it, and it's dope, just like your pick downstairs. Yeah, I'm two pitas deep. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Read some good books, crammed. <laughs> this guy crammed pitas in him like nobody else is I've, cramming pitas. I've never seen two pitas go yeah. in one person. So fast. I stink yeah, so quickly, really I bad. <laughs> no, Ty, no one has ever said you smell bad. Stop that. Listen, so that's Ty. Yeah. I'm Django. It's uh, your boy Jeff Finkley on the horn. <laughs> <laughs> that's Roman. Uh, yeah, I... Nope, that's it. That's it. Edit this part out, Jeff. This yeah, is, edit this all out. This is awful. Let me put my sex dress on. This has been good so far. All right. Just, just I, run for just. Why am I driving? I shouldn't be driving this one. I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm all sweaty. My feet are sweaty. Oh, man. That's the best time Ty. to drive when you're all sweaty. Ty, let's, uh, let's wring our hands of this situation. Everybody, good work so far. I was into it, but we'll, we'll I, continue no, I, no, on. No, we're going to keep going. We've got some good momentum built up here. I need a towel for my feet. <laughs> oh, man. Django, I've never seen you like this before. I'm going to take my sweatshirt off. So, Ty, you've been here for a couple months. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell me just a little bit and the listeners about uh, uh, your relationship with comic books and this store? Yeah, so I grew up reading comic books, more TPBs, if anything. That's trade paperbacks, for sure. Yes, sir. He knows his stuff. That's for long. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of years ago, I think it was about three years now, I came in to a lovely place over down by across the street from Rocket Donuts on Holly, and I came into the store and met the two of you. And you guys, I told you guys what my name was, and you never let me forget what my name was. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was insulting at first. Like, do they think I forget who I am? I don't know anybody's first or last name. I only know that one compound name in the store. <laughs> Ty Presto. Yeah, Ty Presto. Uh, Jeff Figley. Yeah, that's a good one. Romstat. Rom, Romstat. 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 Rom Dottie. <laughs> Rom Dottie. <laughs> yeah, but I was super into comic books, started getting into like actual single issues. You guys helped me out a lot, and then sooner or later we became best friends. Oh. That's that's just what I said, but like it's up to <laughs> them to decide if that's the other end of it. Dude, when I it's asked for a feeling. towel for my sweaty feet, you had one in your back pocket. I would say that's best friends right there. <laughs> I'll give you the shirt off my back right now. For my feet? Yeah. So you guys let's talk about <clears throat> Batman thirty five. Listen. Listen. I wanna I wanna just Right, let's get ahead of this thing. We've been getting a little bit, uh, we've been a little bit chastised. We're getting a little bit of that, uh, the goof juice inside us. People are asking us what we have against Marvel. And I want to clearly state for the record that I don't have anything against Marvel. I love Marvel comics, but we do talk about this Batfellow a lot. <laughs> 
I blame the people making those comics. They're damn they're good, good bat comics. Yeah. DC's been killing it, but you know, two yeah. years ago, Marvel was <laughs> killing it when Hickman and Remender and Aaron and Brubaker were all there doing their thing. Now a lot of those guys have left. I, I want to make it clear that I have no bias no. towards Marvel or DC. I do. <laughs> and Django owns the store, so actually, never mind. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I don't. I don't think that it. Uh, I think that the books speak for themselves right now, and the uh, DC books are, by and large, more more engaging for all of us right now. I've always seen it as quality versus quantity. I think there's a lot of variety in the Marvel universe, but when it comes to DC, there's a lot of just like really superstar talent on a t- couple of books. For instance, Batman. They always got somebody great on that, but. Yeah, uh, there's I, anything I pick up out of DC is just phenomenal. I, there's a lot of stuff that I like in Marvel, but there's a lot of stuff I don't like in Marvel also. It's true. They have a larger, I would say, more varied output. They they have books that are just as good, but I think they can sometimes be a little bit harder to find. So this Batman is 35. Uh, Tom King wrote it. Joel Jones penciled inks and covered it. And Jordi Belair uh, did the colors. Holy cow. That's That's a... That's an A-list team oh, right yeah. there. That's an A-crew. And I believe this is the end of the arc. <laughs> it was a three-issue arc, correct? I think so. I This this was like the best single issue. And I know I said something similar to that last week, but this was like I was profoundly, like I felt like five years ago, like before I was working at the shop, like excited about this comic when I was reading it. Like last night, I was on my couch, I almost cried two times, and the last page gave me the like most silly childish grin. Um, but you know, just the banter between Damien and, and yeah. uh, Dick there, I think was just like so charming. You can't always do Damien right, and this is like the perfect instance of when Damien is like right, like when he's demonstrating his adorable humanity in in his deference and respect for Dick Grayson. Like, he's the one person that he, like, openly is kind to or tries to be. And he's he's not, like, a lot of people write him as kind of a one-note character, oh, yeah. and, and this this is not shithead Damien. Damien. No. And <clears throat> I would say that, um, yeah, my other thing that I loved about this issue was basically it's a big fight scene between Catwoman and Talia, but... Uh, in Talia just trying to wrap her mind around why Bruce would be marrying this woman. Uh, they sort of talk about love and how flawed Bruce is. And um, and at one point, Talia's talking about how she thinks she's basically the, like, the perfect person. And Bruce is the... Spoilers, Bruce is Batman. Um, <laughs> Bruce is the one person who's like the closest to perfection. And I just love when she's like, are you crazy? Like, he is not perfect he's not even close to perfect he is so damaged and broken and then she says in this wonderful moment of dialogue which is right here good radio it's when when he says that he is so far from perfect um he's just the stupid man that i stupidly love Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it man, it just re- it forced me okay. to like reframe things in my mind because like I'm a guy who overthinks things and doubts everything. So in relationships, I can be like, well, is this the most perfect person? Like, is there a better person out there? And and in some in some regard, in my mind, I allow myself to kind of always be looking for the perfect person. And this reminded me, like, no, everyone kind of sucks. Even Batman is just terrible. 
but you just like you're stupidly in love with stupid people and it it was just this moment that like reaffirmed like it's not about finding the perfect person or like it's just like sometimes your damage matches somebody else's damage and yeah. it allows you guys to kind of be perfect for each other mm-hmm. and like as i was reading that i got all teared up and i was like damn you batman <laughs> I, it yeah it 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 affected me in like a really big uh way and i i i don't i'm not a guy who like loves superhero comics they're not my favorite type of comic but uh when they're done right they hit like all of the the bases when mm-hmm. yeah not others can yeah, I, I thought this issue was solid. I, it's basically just a fight between Talia and uh, Catwoman while Batman sits in a corner and bleeds. Uh, I really like the part where Talia takes the sword from, or uh, Catwoman takes the sword from Talia and asks her to, like, knocks her down and says, hey, here, hold this for me, and, like, just stabs it into her shoulder. Yeah. <clears throat> so she can go talk to her friend Holly, mm-hmm. who is, like, we've talked about the the her friend from year one right I that, like this that. this goes all the way back to the first time we saw Catwoman in, in rebirth right because batman was chasing her down because she had killed so many people mm-hmm. yeah this and was at the end of the new 52 was that at the end of the yeah. New 52 yeah so this this is uh this is wrapping up some long-term storylines yeah i love that there yeah i mean I've been sort of on the fence at times with this Tom King Batman run, and my favorite moments have been the Catwoman moments. So I'm really oh, glad that we're getting like rooftops. Yeah, rooftops. Oh, uh, the other thing I want to mention about this book is that Joelle Jones is an amazing artist, but she's yep. doing a really, really cool thing in this particular issue that I haven't seen before. Um, a lot of times when you're doing figure drawings, you'll you'll draw a line for somebody's shoulder, and you got a line going down for their arm, and you'll ink that line in, and it's sort of like a bolded outline and figures or outlined um what she does is she makes that ink line that would sort of just be the end of the figure she increases its width or size the closer it is to the camera so it looks like it looks like this weird type of cell shading but it's just a cool effect that implies depth but it it's not really been done before as far as i know it's most obvious in the in the splash page on page two and three when the swords have just a really uh, unusually thick line to them. And yeah. I noticed it in her last issue that she's, yeah, using it, it gets thicker as it gets closer to the sort of camera. And that's just a really cool mechanism. I like big, bold, uh, stark ink lines. And she's, I like big bolds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cannot lie. Bolds. <clears throat> that's brave that's the bold. really cool, Jeff. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't either. At all. That's And... You know, the other really interesting thing she's doing here um, is breaking Tom King out of the nine-panel grid. Yeah. Even when there is a nine-panel grid, the the panels don't seem to be standard size. And I don't know how – I guess you do that by making the bottom one shorter. But, <laughs> um, yeah. That, w- that was just a little uh, callback probably to something that got edited out of last week's podcast. I mean, we did talk about the nine-panel grid a lot. I'm not sure if it made it. We are trying to keep it a little bit shorter these days. We can go on and on. Yeah. Roman, what did you think about this whole Batman thing? Oh, man. Every book this week had moments, except Punisher, had moments that made me uh, made me tear up. And this one had probably three three moments. Besides what you guys mentioned, the, the conversation between Dick and Damien. Oh, oh. That's so great. I mean, I, love, <clears throat> I won't do the dialogue, so I won't spoil it. But I'll do it in their voices. What, in their voices? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Damien's voice. <clears throat> um <laughs> 
But when when Dick's explaining to Damien why he thinks Bruce did this, just the way he describes that is so brilliant. Yeah. And and what what do you guys think of uh, Batman wearing his um, Superman Batman outfit? Superman, yeah. His Batman his Superman Batman. What are you talking about? Desert dream outfit. He looks like oh. the way he does in the dream sequence <clears throat> right. of Batman vs. Superman. Is that on purpose, or do you think that's a uh, natural costume progression for... I just love the idea that Batman's got his <clears throat> desert outfit, and that's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's on purpose, based off just everything else DC's been doing. Like, what was it? The Devastator? They had basically Batman vs. Superman at the beginning of it. Right. Jason Momoa looks exactly like... Well, not exactly, but he looks like Aquaman in the comic books now. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're definitely going for a little more congruent between both comics and movies. You think he's wearing a tights under those khakis? Of course he is. I don't I it just you're in the desert. It's hotter. You'd imagine you'd want fewer clothing. But we got a bat garb well, and Well, yeah, but he's khakis. Batman, so he's got tights that are like like refrigerate refrigeration oh, line cooling. I forgot so. he's got those refrigerator pants. <laughs> he's yeah. Batman and I'm Roman. <laughs> <laughs> he's got cherry stemmed utility belts. He's all ready to go. <laughs> Um, you guys ready for what I'm about to... Sorry, yeah, no. Just that one panel when Damien asks oh, Bruce, are you happy? And just the look on his face and the way the panel zooms in just on his, you know, below his eyes down to his chin. You never see Batman do that look. Yeah. <laughs> you never see Batman getting happier. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, he wasn't, uh, if he wasn't Batman, like the position of his neck would give him a double chin. Yeah. But he's Batman. Yeah, there's no that double was... chinning here. I mean, Damien's entire progression over the last three issues has been kind of my favorite part. I mean, you got mom and dad, and you got this new woman in the picture, and that's what's really, like, bugging him. And I just, I I love the, like, what you were saying, Roman, about how, like, Dick was like, hey, like, have you ever, like, stopped to consider, more or less, just, like, maybe he might not be happy? And you can see in that frame itself, it's just like, oh, I wasn't expecting that question. This isn't something I'm asked before. So, I don't know. Batman's vulnerable. And I feel like a lot of people uh, shy away from really looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dick's speech earlier addressing that is just, <clears throat> that's not something we've ever heard before. No. I'm dropping a perfect 10. Oh! I'm even this yeah. one a 10. I like, it was the first book I read yesterday, and it like carried me through an entire works worth of work weeks worth of reading. Like I was, I loved every book probably more than normal because of how much I loved this book. <laughs> nice. It made me so optimistic. I, yeah, it it affected me in all the like the perfect ways that a comic book does. The art was amazing. It was funny. It was poignant. Um, it was cool. It was sexy. It was like it was everything. This. This is just one of my favorite things that's happened in comic books in forever, mm-hmm. and I hate that there are like a really good handful of Batman books that are so good right now. And if you listen to the first big chunk episodes of our podcast, we weren't so DC focused, but um, there's just some really high caliber books coming out right now. I'm uh, gonna give this seven and a half meows. Meow, meow, meow. Do you think? How did you read it when when Catwoman said meow? Meow. Batman says, boys, and then Catwoman says, meow. <laughs> Is that how you read it? <laughs> I read everything in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read it as meow. Meow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to give it seven and a half meows. It did not tickle me in the soft bits like it did for Jeff, but I, <laughs> I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I think as a three issue story, this is probably a nine for me. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, get all the pages. I'm gonna cut them all up. I'm gonna tape them all together. I'm gonna make a giant wall-sized poster of a you know the chrono- chronological reading of the entire three issue arc. So you just stand in your room and spin around to read it. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you got, Roman? I'm gonna. I'm also gonna, if I may, Jeff. I'm also gonna give it a ten. Mm. Daddy, yo! <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ten meows. Solidarity, brother. <laughs> nice. Ty Presto, first book on the podcast, first rating. You're <laughs> dropping it. You got a lot, a lot of heavy heart. A lot of, a lot of people looking at you. Weight of the world on your shoulders. Where do you go? Where do you go? <laughs> After a lot of consideration, <laughs> I give it a nine. I think that a ten is. I don't know, you don't come across a 10 every single day. It was definitely like the best book of the week, in my opinion, but it wasn't just mind-blowing. I think this is Tom King at its be- <clears throat> at his best. Excuse me. Uh, he's just re- dealing with like families and relationships, and like if you read like Vision, like it, mm. that is perfect. I think that it's so refreshing from his last arc of the War of Jokes and Riddles, how he had to juggle so many things, but this was just so condensed. Three-issue arc, it's perfect. Well... I'm not giving it a 10, so I guess not perfect. <laughs> it was nine perfect. Approaching. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was a nine. Nice. I liked it a lot. <laughs> so, listen, we're going to... Batman, we're not done with you, buddy. We're going to see you again. You'll it's be the back. Comics Place podcast. It's the Bellingham's premier comic place comic book podcast episode 56. We, we just keep going bat to him. We, go, oh, <laughs> we are killing it today. Um, on the topic of killing things... Oh. Generation Gone number five, first or final issue of this first arc. Um, Alish Cott and uh, Andre, Andre Lima, Lima Araujo. Jinx. Katsuhiro Otomo. Ooh, the reincarnation. I'm, I'm well, I guess he's it. not dead. But yeah, this this book was such like a love letter to Akira to me, which is a thing that's been really on my mind lately. Um, yeah, what did everybody think about this? I, it was amazing. You, you really dug it? My, my favorite issue so far. Of course, it was, yeah, but that's because of the buildup of the previous issues, obviously. But, but yeah. Yeah, so in this one, uh, what the, the group kind of converges in one place and uh, beat, beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. Before we get to the end of the arc. And it, it says that part two is coming in 2018. I think that this, with a few extra pages, could have been the end of the whole thing. Could, yeah, could have. Well, yeah, but I guess that's the question of, like, how large of a scale is this? So it absolutely felt like it could be the end of a story or it could have been a really decompressed, like, first issue. Yeah. You know, like we in it we have the awesome girl take the horrible dick boyfriend that we've talked about this whole series, and she basically flies him up into the sun and pushes him into the sun. and He, he better be dead. I doubt it. He better he's, be he's dead. He's got to be. You I think mean, we so? Saw the, we, I mean, we saw him getting engulfed, well fall into the sun basically does she like fly through the sun or anything or in the first issue that she was in no but she like her flew, clothes uh, all burnt off yeah she flew she up too close. like within view of the sun so what but they're getting superpowers and they're get they're becoming invincible and but stuff. he can't fly no so he has to get the power of flight in order to escape the sun i mean like listen plus yeah on the surface of course it looks like he's dead but i'm just we're yeah, what is it? You think this is comic books? I, as I was engaging <laughs> that's in what comic I assumed, books, because I, I, I thought because his eyes were open and he was so still, I thought he had asphyxiated. Because we know she can, she's okay in space, but we don't know that the other two can leave the atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. It looks like they're all some of their powers are very separate relative to them, but there is some overlap going on. Um, 
you know, like there is some seeming like invulnerability or something or she, she's, she can fly. He's invulnerable. And the other guy can see, uh, patterns, patterns. And, and but like, he gets hit with a car <clears throat> earlier. We forgot to look for a fucking pattern. <laughs> well, well, no, well, no, no, no the, like the, the invulnerable guy. So he's not totally invulnerable. I mean, he, he gets oh, really right. messed up by being hit by the car. Yeah. So I mean, doesn't kill him, which, you know, a normal person would. So a normal person would kill. Them. Anyway, splitting hair. I, there's all. I feel like wherever this is going, uh, the athletic one, the one that's not in the relationship, he basically says at the end that he's like building an army. And this whole story was sort of a conversation about how the military industrial complex affects everything around it and kind of taints the lives of the people that it touches. And now one of them is basically endeavoring to create their own. I don't... So it's it's almost like the guy that was set up to be the bad guy is pretty easily defeated, thrown into the sun, and the guy that we thought was going to be the good guy looks like he's turning into the bad guy. It looks like it. <clears throat> I, and the art in it is just like, absolutely stunning. You get full pages of like dense black space sky with stars and a giant glowing sun and... Um, almost like trad more looking art at times, like very liney, uh, super kinetic. I, yeah, I think it's it was it really reminds me of Akira, um, which has cropped up in posters in the ish, the previous issues, and it's yeah, it, just, it has a huge like love letter to early manga, and yeah, I don't know the, the the fight itself really reminded me of when Tetsuo was turning into a giant blob monster, and I don't know if anybody else hmm. here knows about Akira, so maybe I'll just kind of peter off and be like... I don't like, know enough about it, but I, but I see what you mean, just even from here. Some of the panels, like when... I feel I feel bad that I don't remember the name of the character. I know, I can't remember when, the two when, guy names. When, uh, well, when the woman wakes up on the ground, just that close-up of her face and her eyes suddenly open, mm-hmm. that's that's so manga-esque. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and boy, and yeah, it's, uh, it's the whole issue is that the three of them beating the crap out of each other, but it's it's so poignantly done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just every every blow. You're like, oh god, that's oh, that's so awful. Yeah, this is this is a really good emotionally comic. awful. Um, and I I got the same manga feel as you. I didn't I didn't directly identify it with Akira, but um, that the the shots where the cop or I guess the head military dude is running at them. Mm-hmm. I heard I heard the way he was shouting. As he was running. Yeah. And it sounded like I was watching anime. <laughs> yeah, this looks like a you know direct yeah. center page here. It looks like Tetsuo from Akira. It just really rubbed me the right way. Uh, this was, a, I think, a really phenomenal end to this first arc, which could have gone both ways for me. Like Each yeah. issue, I was sort of like, I don't really know where this is going. Ty, have you checked out any in Generation Gone? Uh, I just pulled it the other day. Uh, Ashton told me to check it out. So Ashton's our spirit animal here at the store. He is. Pour one out for Ashton. <laughs> yeah, I... Wish I read it. It looks dope. All of the art so far has been awesome, and I've been hearing hearing a lot about. Is it Alish Cott? Yeah. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of good things about him, so I've been trying to pick it up. And the the cool sort of little twist at the end is the Ellie, the main girl. Her mom has had cancer and has been dying this whole time, and she they um, put the same superhero code in her that the youngin's got in issue one, and she's doing the same thing where she's spitting up all this black gunk out of her nose and eyes and mouth and. It looks like she's either died or, or super goddamn powerful. Yeah, never mind. She says Ellie's name here. So 
I, I think that she's going to be alive and have some powers, but I mean, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how it affects adults or what ultimately happens. Um, she's become a poster boy for the government itself. It's yeah. it's just a, I thought I kind of knew where it was going, and it kind of went that way to, to some extent, but then it also kind of became something else. So I'm really interested in it. A lot of times when I read or watch something that has a setup like this, I kind of know where it's going, and I don't really care about the characters or how it gets there. Um, but this book set the characters up so well and really quickly mm-hmm. that I could I could see the motivation behind everybody. It didn't feel like somebody was writing them. It felt like people who were actually in this situation dealing with this stuff, if that makes sense. Like when I'm watching Defenders or, you know, one of the Netflix shows. You watched Defenders? I tried. Somebody watched Defenders? I tried. When, when I watched Daredevil. I watched it all. I watched Daredevil. Yeah. I'm going to watch Punisher this Friday, too. Is that this Friday? Yeah, Yeah. this Friday. And I I like those just fine, but I don't really understand or I I don't really track people's motivations through those shows. And I think it's because they're not very well written. Like, there's a point A and a point B that the plot has to get to, and they just force people to do those things. Mm -hmm. And this one felt a lot more organic than that for this first arc. Um, And so, like understanding exactly why the guy leaves and is pissed off and building an army and understanding why she killed her boyfriend by throwing him into the sun, even though maybe he's not dead. We don't know yet and probably won't for another 12 issues is, uh, I think that's really, really good writing by Mm -hmm. Hushcott. Yeah, I totally agree. What you got? You got a, you got a number? (sighs) Thank you for asking Jenga. I would give this book, um, I would give this one an 8.5, and I wow. think that the series itself, I would give an 8 so far. It has gotten better with each issue. Uh, no clear complaints. I think that I felt originally like the characters were a little one-dimensional, but I think that them being a little one-dimensional is what allowed for such, I think, clear and strong character work and motivation from them. So just like ultimately what was a thing that kind of concerned me about it, it worked in its favor as how you would sort of just ex- described it. it. It became uh, really strong characters with strong motives that you could understand and it never felt like anything was forced. And I think it was because they are very like polar opposite personalities, which could be construed as one dimensional, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight, an eight, a solid eight. Uh, Broken off bones from your compound oh. fracture. This is going to be a hell of a paperback, too. Like, this will be a great trade. Yeah. And that yeah. bone did... She had a real compound fracture in that bone. I knew it was going to happen, too. Yeah. I knew it was going to happen to that bone sticking out of him. Spoiler, it was so she gross. pulls it out. She snaps it off and drags his ass into space. <sighs> like, that's not even the worst thing that happens to him on that no. day. <laughs> no. <laughs> we got oh, Roman. so great. Uh, 8.5. All right, Roman. I, we're really cycling together. This, I love yeah, this. Yeah, we're, we're affected. I think we're affected by a lot of the same emotional. We are points. I didn't read it. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm reading Trillium right now. So when I'm done with that and schoolwork, that's Ooh. actually my number one next thing that I'm picking up is Generation Gone. So then, uh, without having read it, what do you give it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, based on what we talked about, and because I'm a bandwagoner, I guess I'll give it an eight. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Just so I don't get fired. <laughs> Man, you will like are this comic. About that, it's crazy. Getting fired? Yeah. <laughs> That's not how we roll. Next person who says that's fired. Oh, I guess that's how we roll. <laughs> um, Roman, you've got a little bit 
I have a thing to talk about here. Yeah, I'm really worried about getting fired. <laughs> Roman. <laughs> Please don't fire me. <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange, number 381. Is this a buckshot round? No. Oh. But we are getting excited. Oh, it's not? That. Okay. Uh, by Donny Cates. It's Donny Cates' first issue, which I'm very excited for because I love Donny Cates. Um, Is it his first Marvel work? Or like even Marvel it DC may, work? It may I thought he did Black Panther. No, that's no. not Ozzy Coates. Oh. Oops. Yeah. Coates <laughs> and Cates are pretty close words. Bowels. Yeah. I bet, I bet they How buddy they up work? and go out drinking together. Yeah. Um, I think it is his first Marvel yeah. work, and maybe his first DC. Yeah. Who drew it? Uh, Gabriel, pardon me if I mispronounce this, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. It's Her- the artist from The Vision. Hernandez-Walta. Uh-huh. That doesn't yeah. seem like it goes together. And Jordi Belair, colorist. Ah, Jordi. Yeah. All over the place. All over the place. It. Yeah. Um, let's see. So this... There's a, I didn't read I didn't read the all the issues before this, so a lot of this was new new to me. Uh, Wong has left the Sanctum Sanctorium. Doctor Strange, I think this has happened before his previous thing. He lost. He's no longer Sorcerer Supreme. Um, issue starts off his assistant, whose name I forget, and she has now some magic user powers too. This guy comes to Doctor Strange for help. She lets him up into the into the brownstone. And, and he's tells got two him, cursed eyes, right? He's got two cursed eyes. From different demons. Yes, yes. And she tells him <laughs> that Stephen Strange is no longer practicing mystic arts. It's now Loki is the Sorcerer Supreme. Because he beat him in a tournament. Because he beat him in a tournament, which I, uh, I think you were asking me this earlier, Ty. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, this is the first Marvel I've read in a I think time. this is the first time this tournament's been mentioned. I don't remember yeah, I've never heard of it. this story before. So I guess we're leading up to the story of this tournament. Um. It was a fun issue. We see Loki in the bar with no doors where all the ma- Marvel magic users hang out. Dude, I'm down to spend as much time in that bar oh, yeah. in a comic book as possible. There's like, a bar in New Orleans with no doors. How do you get in? The well, the door fell off, and they just never oh. replaced it. They don't close. So it's oh. got a doorway. Okay. All right. I'm looking for a place with no doorways. <laughs> I can lock um, you in a room. What's funny, as I think it's funny that Marvel came up with this bar with no doors. Like five years ago, DC came up with their... Uh, Bar with no, it's it, it's inter, it's an interdimensional bar. Is that the one in metal? You just pop into it. Yeah. Yeah, and they yeah. have that reference in metal. Yeah. The now, door with no bars. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> um, it's great. Loki's in this bar, and he's telling the magic users, like, Scarlet Witch is there and Son of Satan and all these guys. And Loki's telling them, like, forget the rules. You guys are all worried about the violating the rules of magic. Um, and being the god of mischief, he's like, you know, the rules don't matter. We get around the rules. And they're all like, no, no, we can't do that. And he's like, yeah, we can. And then he does some really cool Loki mystic arts stuff to them, makes them all disappear, end up on the street in New York. Uh, this is just a lot of fun. Um, Thor shows up. Loki tells her off. Oh, this, it, this, oh. this is an exciting series. I'm excited to subscribe to this now. Wanda confronts Stephen Strange at the end, which uh, he's still... A kind of medical doctor. I won't tell you what kind. It's a good But spoiler. it was a surprise. Yeah. So <laughs> Is he a butt doctor? Uh, wouldn't that be Occasionally, great? probably. Can he fix my uh, no. sweaty feet? No, nobody, <laughs> nobody can fix your sweaty feet. Um, That's beyond even Loki. So, so you were excited about this because you've been really into this writer. Uh, yes, what else Donnie has he Cates. written? What else? Like, what'd you love about him? What's been going on with that? He's, he first, imp- what was his first series he did? Um, years Buzz ago. Kill. Buzzkill, that's the one, which I never oh, yeah. actually finished. Mm. But then he, I think he wrote Paybacks oh, for Dark that, Horse. That was really funny. I think that was him. 
I, th- I might be wrong. But then, but then more recently, he's written um, God Country, which I loved, a story about families, about fatherhood. Um, he's written various... Rednecks? Oh, yeah, Rednecks. Redneck, redneck about, about the... the, the, the redneck vampire? Redneck vampire clan, <laughs> which is awesome. He's writing Baby Teeth about the 16-year-old virgin who gives birth to, the, to Satan. Because um, the baby has teeth. Yeah. It's awful. Baby teeth. That's disturbing. <laughs> He's written various Star Trek stories for the Star Trek anthologies that were coming out a while ago. Did I tell you oh, and he wrote a tomahawk. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which was very cool. Yeah. Um, what I liked about this issue and kind of this arc moving forward, it seems like, is it's it's like half Doctor Strange, half Thor mythos. Yeah. And I kept having to remind myself, like, this is a Doctor Strange book as I was reading it because oh, it was yeah. like – you know, Lady Thor shows up and Loki's in it and we're talking about the different realms and this, like, I guess I read Thor as well, but I can't remember if, uh, anyway, the, the bad guy from Thor showed up in this. I think that was actually the main Thor. Anyway, sorry. Um, Magog? Not Mangog. Um, you know, the bad elf. Oh, Malekith. Was that in this issue? No, but Loki does mention him, I think. Or Thor mentions him. It just, it felt like so steeped in both and Doctor Strange as cool as I think that character is, um, I've never had a Doctor Strange run get me to read the whole thing. So, I don't, yeah, I'm not necessarily married to that mythos. So I like that it's Doctor Strange light. Like, it's half Doctor Strange, half Thor, which is another thing that uh, I've really liked Jason Aaron's Thor run, but yeah. I haven't really loved other Thor runs. So to get a little hybridization like that uh, is pretty cool, according it, to me. It is. Even visually, speaking of hybridization, even visually I love that Loki has... The Ditko dots on mm. Strange's on the Strange's glove. I don't know what part, I don't know what you call that part of the glove. The finger. <laughs> no, the part down here that goes past down past your wrist on those kind of gloves. Quickly. The cuff. Oh, could cuff. be cuff. Yeah, that sure. sounds good. Ty, yeah. what do you think? You dropped in on this. Yeah, uh, I haven't read anything really much Doctor Strange related. Uh, was it Jason Aaron who wrote it before Kate's? Yeah. Yeah, so I thought it was kind of cool because, like, Jason Aaron's writing Thor, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of both of it together. Mm. So, I mean, reading it the first time, I was like, wait, Loki is Doctor Strange or Sorcerer Supreme at this point. So I'm looking through it, and I'm, like, getting this point. I was like, okay, this doesn't really make sense. I don't know if I see this as, like, meta-commentary, and I just, like, try and uh, pick up up on these things. But the part where Thor confronts him, and he's like, nobody wants me in this role, and, like, nobody believes that I can change. I also felt like that was a meta statement yeah and i was like suddenly i was like okay well let's see what you got so i have a little bit more optimism towards seeing loki as sorcerer supreme you know and i I feel like since kieran gillen de-aged him to be a kid and then he was an adolescent in a different run and i i think that i've been really into that characterization of loki particularly like gillen's young avengers and journey into mystery stuff but um yeah i i really like adolescent and young loki i think that it's a real cool idea of him being an anti-hero. Uh, I didn't read this whole comic. Yeah. But the parts I read were really funny. And I enjoyed it. I like the end. Stuff. He loves Marvel. Django does. I do. I just... Uh, yeah. I, I like I the slapstick bits. And the, the snakes in the house were cute and goofy. And I like how uh, she got up to the house with the guy with the two cursed eyeballs by pulling a ladder out of her... A bag of holding or whatever, and the, the the spoiler at the very end that I just flipped to, that's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> pretty funny. Well, so then what would you give it, Django? 
Uh, well, only having read about a third of it, I would I'd probably give it a seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give the parts I read a seven. I don't know about the middle part. I do have a bone to pick with the gag on the last page, but I don't want to. I, I don't want to like, spoil that part no. for people. I would also give it a seven, because uh, I like a bandwagon as well, and I, I think it was good. But I it. it it's not. I don't know. I I like the idea of Donny Cates writing it because I think it's going to be a, a different and unique voice in Marvel. But uh, I don't know how much I want to read more of it. What do you got, Roman? When we're off the air, I'll have to ask you to explain to me. I don't know what's going on in this. I don't get that joke. I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, yeah, I'll 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 give it a seven point five. Roman liked it more than us. Roman's a happy boy this week. I am a happy boy. I was a very oh. happy boy. Like, I have stupid <laughs> high ratings for most of my books. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I want to see Doctor Strange as Sorcerer Supreme, and that'll eventually happen, I know. And in the meantime, I'm going to enjoy Loki. Because I didn't care about Doctor Voodoo as Sorcerer Supreme. Actually, yeah, now that I said that, what happened to Doctor Voodoo? He was Sorcerer Supreme, and now Loki is. I guess, well, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. What do you or got, you'll find out. <laughs> so this might be a little bit longer of an answer than you guys are hoping oh, for. Oh, no, let's get it on here, Ty. So Legacy. I want to go back to Legacy. All these banners, part one of Legacy, and everyone's trying to go under this banner. I don't think I'm quite under like the same impression as everybody as to what Legacy is meant to do. I, for one, I read something that it was returning characters back to their fullest potential. So you have, like, these characters that are more more iconic than others. Like, you see Captain America Steve Rogers coming back. You see uh, the original Thor coming back. And you see all these characters, like, I'm sure Tony Stark will come back at one point. Banner. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like... This generation, this new the the Marvel U didn't really work out, so I thought that Legacy was kind of fixing it. Like, okay, the fans didn't really like it, so let's revert back to our old ways. So I've just been so confused picking up most of these Legacy books. Mind you, I don't read a lot of Marvel. Is that like, okay, like where does this like the where does it go back to when uh, these characters are to who they were? Why isn't not Doctor Strange? What like when, is this? When do the white men come back? Exactly. Like still like <laughs> Punisher. I was like, wait, when does Rody right. come back. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, come on, Legacy. Well, yeah, so um, I don't know if Mar- – has Marvel said that that's what Legacy is it, I mean, supposed to do? It's kind of like Rebirth. Like, it's, it's an attempt to, like, reinvigorate the line and put new talent into it and, in a lot of cases, bring back older iterations of characters. However, Doctor Strange has been Doctor Strange for the last, like, year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for uh, whoever was just Sorcerer Supreme. Dr. Voodoo. Dr. Voodoo. But um, so I think in situations where things were the same, they're just trying to change the direction a little bit or return it to a tone that is more classic. I think the legacy in my mind has been more about Marvel reminding us that they're hundreds and hundreds of issues old and not necessarily about uh, bringing back the characters that that started everything. Mm-hmm. I can't, there, there's no way that they're going to get rid of the diversity in their books. They may change the focus off of it a little bit, but I, I can't imagine that they're actually have an editorial mandate to cut back on the number of diverse characters that they have. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It doesn't feel at all like that to me. I mean, it's just, it seems like when we went to the retailer summit a year and a half ago at Emerald city, 
and they were talking about gearing up for Rebirth. Mm-hmm. And they were they had talked about basically what the New 52 did for them was they had sort of suffered death by a thousand cuts. So they had made enough small changes in their line that they had gotten pretty far away from what the core of those characters was. So Rebirth was an attempt to fix that. I think Marvel is Marvel Legacy is basically the same thing. They've tried to follow trends. Um, they've tried to follow what DC is doing right and what Image is doing right. And they've changed a lot of things, not just their characters, maybe story structure, uh, length of story arcs, type of story. And now I, I think both companies sort of realize, like, oh, we should probably stick to what we've done well. Like, where were we five or six years ago? Mm-hmm. And I think both of them are trying to do that. I don't think there's a real hard and fast man- mandatory or uh, mandate, rather, editorial mandate for what these books need to be, aside from hopefully good and different. And and it's at least different. That's true. Mangog? Is that what you're Man- going to no, I, I just can't believe I totally missed that. <laughs> I um, guess it's just with that definition, though, is I feel, as somebody who doesn't read Marvel, jumping into this, I had no clue what's going on. Yeah, I had a good time reading it, but it's not something that I feel, like, connected to. Something that is int- like intrigues me enough to go on for the entire you know, title of Doctor Strange. So with that, I guess I'd give it like a six because it just didn't do enough for new readers as it's trying to market itself and orient itself to new people trying to jump on. Uh, yeah. Not a strange boy. No, I, hey, I, I agree. I, I, I also I hate magic, in all honesty. Whoa, <laughs> you love Lord of the Rings, you. though. Oh, that's different. That's fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, I don't know, boy. The thing about Lord of the Rings, it, it establishes all the rules that will happen within its world. What I don't like about magic nowadays is just, like, it's ever-changing, and it's just so convenient. It's just a scapegoat in every sense. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is so built upon its world and Tolkien did all it can to like establish a backstory writing languages but just magic and just both anything just uh, I think it's just so we're gonna do a special Lord of the Rings edition podcast with Ty (laughs) just talking about Lord of the Rings because I only (laughs) recently found out that's like his big passion oh Oh. man that'll be fun I need an excuse to rewatch them all anyway (laughs) I think wow so yeah you would hate what because Loki says the exact opposite of everything you just said about magic (laughs) and I think Ty's problem with magic is kind of my problem with uh, a lot of cosmic stories cosmic stories too like like there's just <laughs> no limits so how do you have limits like why don't why can't you both just punch an earth in half you or guys, lift a planet even you guys know what that you know what you know what time it is what time is it it's uh it's time for the bookshot <laughs> buckshot round all right you guys in a, in a in an attempt to flush out the buckshot round we've introduced a new sound wait flush out or flush out both of them we're going to flush it out and give it a new rebirthing. Um, ew. Ew. Oh, never, never mind. Sorry. Well, no, that's what DC did. Um, that's what we called it, too. So, you guys, when you, when you hear this, uh, that means that we've got to move on. So, uh, reaching it two minutes to talk about a book that we were excited about. Um, Jenga, you want to kick it off now? Evolution number one by, oh, my God, by four people. James Asmus, Joseph Keating, Christopher Sabella, and Joshua Williamson with uh, Joe Infuriante drawing it. Uh, This is uh, not really sure what's going on here, but there's a lot of monsters cropping up in the world, mutated people, um, and seemingly unrelated characters kind of running into these, these weird, gross... I don't know if they're diseased or possessed or what but there's like 
it's really gross. Uh, I, I like this mostly because of the art. The story's a little hard to follow uh, for how simple and straightforward it seems like it could be. Uh, but it like one of the one of the characters is a doctor who finds a kid um, whose asthma is cured. But when he looks at the kid, he finds these little cuts on him and he realizes that they're gills. And just the, the shot of him swabbing inside this kid's gills made me want to barf. And uh, <laughs> that gets you like full, full marks for making me feel actually sick Ooh, looking at a yeah. little tiny mm. panel in a comic. Um I, I don't have much else to say except that this is a really good horror comic. You don't even get to make that sound at me. I don't. Uh, <laughs> do you have a, a rating for me? Uh, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Okay. It's not, not mind-blowing, but uh, if you're into horror stuff, I think this is really solid. The art is cool. It's super unique. Yeah. It's kind of sketchy, watercolory, um, and and grotesque. And when, when you see the monsters, they are... Like, you can hear them dripping on the church floor kind of sounds uh, all from a comic book which is pretty 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 pretty, pretty good. good um we might who knows two minutes might be too long for a buckshot round there's not a lot of urgency oh oh <laughs> oh we oh, urgency. Urgency. urgency i feel so urgent okay um now we can't shut I, it off oh my god I, uh, oh my god <laughs> it's gonna blow oh no Okay, she got a blow. a lot of stress. Uh, that made my feet sweat. Um, All right, Jeff, go. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I'm going to use my two minutes uh, to talk about Spider-Man 2, number four, by Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli. BMB. Yeah, the BMB. This book uh, has slowed down in coming out a little bit. It's not quite monthly, which is a bummer because I really, really like it. I've wanted to read this story for a couple years now, and there's only one issue left. Sarah Pacelli's art is consistently beautiful. It's going to be a real bummer um, that Bendis probably severs a lot of the relationships that he's created at Marvel as he goes over to DC, just because he works really well with particular artists. Um, he has such a unique style. He uses a lot of double-page spreads, so it's really cool when artists can tap so directly into that. Basically, this was a very between issue, uh, so much so it almost felt like this miniseries could have maybe been four issues instead of five. <laughs> um, my two minutes... Uh, but yeah, we basically, um, we find out a little bit about the 616 Miles Morales, who's been friends with the Kingpin. Um, his lady friend had died, and the Kingpin basically explains to him that there are multiple worlds where people who are dead in this world ex can still exist. So if, hopefully it will bring you peace to know that this woman you love is not, in fact, gone forever. She's just in a different multiverse now. Um, Peter and Miles then go to try and track down the 616 Miles, and they just get to him so we still don't really know what 616 miles role in this world is and what his ultimate goals are but it looks like he's trying to go to another dimension to find the woman that he loves doesn't seem to have the weight that i was hoping you know who are this world's miles is like at the end of spider-man one you get this this moment where peter realizes who it is and it seems like it's somebody really big as it turns out it just seems to be like some kind of kingpin like not even quite kingpin level baddie uh, that's a little disappointing, but I think that when this, I, I have hopes that Bendis is going to add a little bit of weight to this in the final issue that'll be coming out, um, whenever it comes out, hopefully. Oh, oh my God. God. That, that was, was so awful, good. <laughs> All right. That was my oh, two man. minutes. Can I ask a question? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to delay us here, yeah, but yeah. so sh she says that people who disappeared during secret wars are still alive in another 
multiversal dimension? No, it's good that you asked that question because now I'm aware of the fallacies with which I speak. Now, Kingpin um, goes to the funeral where our, like, 616 Miles, the bad guy, is at and explains to him that, like, there's an infinite number of multiverses. Oh, okay. And in every one of those multiverses, there's possible people that you know. So, like, while she's dead in our world, there's other worlds where she's still alive. So more of a spiritual thing, less of a multiverse Grant Morrison, like, canon thing. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, because King gives this awesome speech to him about how he wanted to find other Vanessas and realized the fallacies in that. And and it's really touching. All right, Roman. uh, Kick it off. Start Wonder Woman Conan number three of six by Gail Simone, Aaron Lepresti, and Matt Ryan inked. Uh, this is this is such a fun series. If you're avoiding it because it's Conan and Wonder Woman and that seems cheesy, don't. Gail Simone knocks it out of the park again. Um, That's just what she does. Yeah, I mean this series starts off Conan and Wonder Woman meet. They're both captives in this by this slaver. And they're forced to fight gladiatorial battles until they're forced to fight each other. Wonder Woman has lost her memory. We don't know why yet. Conan is convinced that she's the same woman that when he was like 10 or so, that he met this girl named Yana from another tribe of only women. And they fell in love, their, their first like childhood loves. So the story's set. They escape from the slaver. Um, they're chained together in all good, like, Oh, that classic movie I can't remember the name of now. They're chained together, and there's various flashbacks to their childhood love. And just the way Simone writes some of their um, Conan's thoughts, remembering this stuff, like this one, it finally hit him like the walking stick of an angry elder. I love that simile. (laughs) He He was no longer the master of his own heart. And then it goes on about their first kiss and then his first heartbreak and finding out what that feels like, what loss feels like. And then finding her again, but she's not convinced that she's this Yana person. And she's slowly starting to get hints about who she might be. And there's somebody that shows up that calls her princess. There's these, these sorry, Ty. There's these uh, magic crow people that show oh. up that know she's a princess. Trigger warning. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just such a fun read. Uh, and beautiful covers, too, both by Derek Robinson and Aaron Lepresti. And it's just a blast. Well worth reading. Pick it up. Roman, that was... Perfect. You got three seconds to spare here. Just breathe it in. Three seconds? Oh my gosh. Crom! <laughs> um, all right, cool. Ty, did you want to do one? Yeah, I got one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ty, Sweet. get ready. Two, minutes, go. two minutes goes fast. I know. Here we go. Ready, set, go. So, Just League 33, the Bats Out of Hell finale, I thought it was very indicative of just how well this entire series of metal is going so far. So this is like the second of the two tie-in series that they've had, minus all the one-shots of all the different bats out of hell. That was wrong choice of words, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're looking at the Just League. So it tied up really nice, and I, I've been talking to a lot of people coming in, and they're like, oh, I'm not going to read Metal because it's just another event. I think that this is the most well-executed event. I think that it is not overwhelming. I think it is concise. I think it is just very reader-friendly all the way through. So you pick up the first issue, and uh, I mean, me and Django were talking about this the other day, is how in the hell are they going to do an omnibus for it? I'm not too worried about it because right now I am just enjoying it. They've only, uh, Snyder said on Twitter that they're only doing two issues a week. And for me, as somebody who's like buying them, somebody who's reading them, it's not too overwhelming. I look forward to it every week and it's just all the way a great series. This one in particular was awesome. 
because of the fact that it was just bringing everything together. And at this, at the end of it, they had this, well, I'm not going to spoil any of it, but, like, it's hinting that, like, all these things that they've been talking about since they've gone into the New 52, since they've gone into Rebirth, they're, like, tying in everything again that everything is one singular continuity and they're referencing a lot of things, like, they're referencing All-Star Superman, they're referencing uh, Flashpoint, all these things that we're about, that every, like, DC super fanboy is about, and I got a little, little sweaty, like Django's feet over here. It's just been, like... Great ride. I can't wait to see what they're doing with the rest of it. Uh, I know Grant Morrison is coming on to it. Uh, he's been over here <laughs> holding it all together. But phenomenal book, phenomenal series. I, I mean, it wasn't the greatest like singular story, but it was. it's just fun. Pick it up. Pick up the series because it's dope. There is what looks to be a... Oh! <laughs> Boy, howdy, that's real aggressive. So, uh, Punisher... The Return of John Barenthal, number 218. <laughs> this is a good segue. As far as <laughs> comics are stupid, so don't question it. <laughs> By Matt Rosenberg, uh, Gu Villanova, Villanova, and Lee Luridge uh, coloring. Mm. Um, I have I have a weird relationship with Punisher. You like it more than I do. I do, but I think I like it more than you do because of Garth Ennis. Uh, I've, I, I was Not never... Not just because you're oh, three the, times the man that I am? No. No. <laughs> no. No, Jeff, you can you can grow a beard. You got more tattoos than me. I do have more tattoos than <laughs> See? <laughs> See? Barely even double the man you are. That's true. That's true. I'm surrounded by a lot of men right now. <laughs> feeling it. Listen, beard guy. Shop <laughs> <Chop> guy. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think a lot of times the Punisher is kind of one note and mm. stupid and like not all that interesting it's like monster of the week except the monster is just a gangster and the solution is just a gun like there it's it's very rare that there's a really innovative punisher story um that said we've had some really good ones garth ennis did a giant run he did 12 issues and then 34 issues and then 75 issues with a couple of spin-offs and then uh jason aaron did a really good punisher run and i i really like the becky clunan run that just wrapped up this one just feels like a fight at the docks with the punisher and some guns and uh and then after that's over, Punisher gets hired by Nick Fury to go steal something. And uh, spoiler alert, turns out he's stealing Iron Man armor. War, War machine, machine armor. Hey, Django, uh, you, you sort of glossed over it right there, but I'm just curious if you can guess what my favorite part of this issue was. Uh, was it the part where they showed you the math on how they got to number 218? No, although that's, that's clever. Cool. I didn't realize they did that. No, <laughs> yeah, they uh, fucked it's, up. it's not that. <laughs> Uh, was it... Uh, just trying, just, I'm trying to see how you know what what strikes me. Man. Thing. Gog. Roman. I I really have no idea, Jeff. There was a lot of snow in this issue. Oh, there was a lot of snow. Oh, man. Oh. Such a Christmas boy. Oh, such a snow boy. Such a Christmas boy. When he... There's a page where he's sort of walking back to his van and he realizes that somebody's in it because of some snow that's melting. I was like, man, I don't... Love this book so far, but if we want to just watch the Punisher walk around in fire in the snow, like I'm on board. It's I I guess I just assumed they were in the upside down, but you're right. This is snow. It's snow. <laughs> totally snow. Yeah, him noticing that the the van is too warm because Nick Fury's sitting in it mm-hmm. because the the snow's dripping. 
That's a lot like Batman punching somebody in the face and realizing they've had their tongue removed, which happened two weeks ago. Well, I loved that. Also yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, That's funny. I didn't. I didn't catch that little drippy thing. I didn't know why we were seeing that. <laughs> I don't mean to be a bit of a curmudgeon, but I don't love that the art so like obviously switches between being Burnthal actor guy and then not him. It's oh, yeah, this is totally bugged me. Yeah, that's sober. And uh, and then my final big complaint is that I don't want to criticize somebody's art style, but I think that the final page reveal of the fact that he got the War Machine armor was real lackluster. Oh, yeah, that's I was a, so unimpressed with yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's, that's not War Machine. Really yeah. unimpressive. And that's the right gun. Page. Yeah. <laughs> I give this one a five. I give it a solid five, too. But unlike most fives, I'm probably going to stick with it. Yeah, you're a Punisher guy. Well, uh, more than that, I'm a Matt Rosenberg guy. Like, you know what? I really like this writer. He wrote Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. He wrote the Kingpin story uh, with oh. that weird art that we couldn't decide if anybody liked or not because yeah. it changed yeah. every panel. Can I say one thing about Punisher yeah, real quick? I give it a nine. Whoa! Yeah. Okay, here's the This <laughs> issue got a nine? This issue awesome. got a nine. Ty just flipped the script on us. Wow. Y'all have been dishing out on this. like It's like held to this higher standard. I don't think it should be held to the standard that many people are like putting comic books nowadays to. Here's what this is to me. This is an 80s like action star coming out of retirement, and you're just like, yeah. This is like... Sylvester Stallone becoming RoboCop to me. Like, he just got, like, the war machine armor. He doesn't care what he's doing. You know, like, it's so stupid. It's, like, character progression. He's like, huh, I'm just, like, killing all these guys and stuff. And Nick Fury's like, but wait, you like kids. He's like, I do like kids. (laughs) (laughs) I better go do all these things that you told me to do. I don't question any of it. It was fun. It was explosive. I, I don't know. As soon as, like, comics are so serious nowadays, this was just fun. For me to, like read this, and immediately go downstairs and subscribe myself to the rest of the series. <laughs> you got me there. Nine for you, Punisher. Oh, man. Stupid. It was fun. Awesome. Nine wow. comic book points. That's wow. right. Yeah. I, I totally like agree that, like, comic books are too serious. <laughs> man. You know? that... So it's wonderful that everyone can find God. a different thing that strikes them <laughs> as you. sort of like that a, a break from that. Jeez, Ty, now you, now you got my feet sweating. Oh, yes. oh man. <laughs> <laughs> We're um, boys up here. Yeah. My yeah. feet are dry. Says you. <laughs> you should have seen Jango's. You, you just look like Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining, man. Oh my god! <laughs> Dead, frozen, exhausted face. <laughs> you're right. This tight. You're right. This is somewhat. This was so much fun. I mean, the Punisher, him and Nick Fury going to Nick Fury's favorite place to get dim sum, mm. and Fury uses a pseudonym, Mister Odin's son. Yeah. And the Punisher like calls him out on it and actually makes some jokes here about it, and Nick's defending it, and Punisher says it speaks to something. This where you bring dates? I was like, <laughs> the Punisher doesn't. This could be like Expendables 4 worthy. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Was. And that's a perfect yeah, eight, 80s action star coming out of retirement. And it's got Nick Fury with this like holographic projecting fake eye <laughs> under his eye patch, all this great stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll give this a, uh, I'll give this a, uh, oh my God. Sweating. An eight. What would you have given it before Ty? I was thinking like a 7, 7.5. Man, Ty brought me up to like a 5.5. Five. But yeah, yeah, Ty got me all excited for it. Yeah. Like, you're right. It is that. It's like stupid action in the way like the Fast and the Furious. It's like exactly. Dominic Toretto oh, got a Mustang. dare you? Dude. All right, I'll take it. I, I saw the last three of those on opening day. I love I love. <laughs> I saw you there. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, we were like, wow, that was really bad, but I'm glad I saw it. Okay. <laughs> that was a little high. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we saved, uh... Nope. We saved two things for the end. 
Oh. Um, I think that we have a thing. Should oh. we do the thing or should we, we do, should the do the thing? Let's do the thing and then do, do the thing. thing. Yeah. Last time it didn't go well when we did I the know, thing. I know, but I'm I'm better now. Are you ready to br- Yeah. Can you brace yourself? We haven't listened to it yet, guys, <laughs> but we're trying to get our good buddy back in a little bit. We we Hey guys. It's me again. Justin. Just uh calling in cuz I heard it was Ty's first uh podcast today. And I was thinking. Jingo if you're the sketchy, shadowy merchant who sells me a genie's lamp, then Jeff, you're the jeweled genie's lamp. And if Jeff, if you're the jewel, the jeweled genie's lamp, then Roman, you're that sweet, sweet, warm feeling I get from the friction when I rub it. And Ty, <laughs> you're the genie in the bottle, baby. Yeah, you come out like lotion, and you shine, and you look good. I've never seen someone with so many angles. You're composed of angles. Uh... I just want to let you know that I'm so glad that you work there and you're finally on the podcast. And uh, when Giorgio Omani is trying to impress somebody at the Roman sex clubs he goes to, keep us on tight presto. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. <laughs> and when he says Roman sex clubs, he's not talking about the country. He's talking about Roman's house. It's I, Roman's house full of aprons. <laughs> yeah, sex dresses, not aprons. Did I tell him that I wear Armani? No. He <laughs> Inquisitive nose he has there. Yeah, he's, wow. he's good. <laughs> he's a sharp kid. Yeah. God. So you guys, <laughs> you want to buy a lamp? <laughs> I am a lamp, baby. <laughs> oh, shit. Hey, do you want to buy a lamp? <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm rubbing the lamp. Someone take me out. <laughs> of here. Okay, so bat, bat, like Batman beer. who laughs. <laughs> this is what is this the final issue of the Dark Knight's metal cover tie-ins? Um, oh, ish. well, the Wild Hunt, which is the Grant Morrison episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Snyder on Twitter has been like changing it every single week because they keep going back and forth on like different like ideas with it. So I don't know if Hawkman Found is coming out because that was supposed to be a thing for a while. Yeah. Um, all I know is Wild Hunt. That's all that matters. Grant Morrison coming yeah. back to Batman. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So if you guys remember, we love that Batman Shadow miniseries that had Riley Rossmo on the art, mm-hmm. and it was sort of co-written by Scott Snyder. And that was when, like, Riley... Well, I guess Riley Rossmo had his first issue with the Night of the Monster Men, and then it went into that. Anyway, this is an artist that we love, and we love when he does Batman. So it is so getting cool to get to see him draw this... The final issue of these one-shots that are an origin story for these, like, you know, the horsemen of the bat apocalypse, basically. And this is the ringleader of all of it. And you knew it was going to be, the you know, the Joker equivalent. And it was some it was some dark shit, and it was drawn beautifully. I read that uh, Batman thirty five, and then I read this right afterwards, and I just I had a borderline transcendental experience reading these comics, like back to back. I just enjoyed it so much. The first one was so positively emotion invoking, and then the second one was so dark and messed up, and the art was so good. I uh, I love the idea of it. I I, I love it. I. This was my favorite of the metal one shots, and it, it's what just sort of like solidified in my mind that these are unbelievably good. Basically, the important bullet points though are that Joker is killed by Batman. Like he finally pushes Batman far enough, and when Joker dies, a virus is released into Batman that turns him evil, Joker style. Um, and Batman tries to cure it. He can't. He calls his. He calls all his Bat family. Uh, around to tell them what was going on, and then he kills them all. What an amazing dick! Like you, as that was happening, I was I was realizing like, okay, well, like so, Batman. It makes sense he would want to tell the people closest to him that he 
has been infected with this. Yeah. But then at the same, like, as it was happening, I was like, what if the infection is further than we think it is? What if he's actually about to, and then you turn the page, you're like, fucking kill them all? With Uzis in a panel that looks like the Howard Shake and Shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for thanks, sure. Thanks, Riley Rossimo. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you, I, all, did you also, speaking of that kind of, earlier I when Superman. I was see that. Yeah, and Superman and Batman are on this, this catwalk. Rosmo totally drew Superman looking just like quietly Superman. I mentioned that to Django this morning. I'm so glad you thought that also. It's so cool that Quietly's uh, Superman has such a distinct aesthetic that even when somebody references it, you're like, oh, those are the shoulders of a Frank Quietly reference <laughs> yeah. Superman. Yeah. And so, Roman, I don't know if you caught this. I, I, I feel like this, so this is happening on Earth negative 22. And I think that there are a lot of references to things in our, our favorite Batman stories. But uh, one of the things on, on one of the early pages is um, the Joker saying, you and your pals, like good old Jim Gordon, right to the end, I heard him shout it over the radio over and over, by the book, bring him in by the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a killing joke. Oh, it is. It is. It's a yeah, reference, right? That is definitely without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, so you got the killing joke. You've got all-star Superman. You've got um, the Batman. Well, I guess the shadow's not probably really tied in enough with the Batman universe other than, you know, shadow being based on Batman. Um, You're right. No, wait, no, that's not it. No. <laughs> um, I just I just thought that this this took a lot of Batman history, twisted it enough, and and threw it in as this main bad guy. I mean, I guess the second boss in this story is going to be this guy, right? And, uh, and we also don't know who who the Batman who laughs is telling this story to. Yeah, yeah who's that? Trevor talking about that Who today. do you guys think it is? There's so a bound-up person that the Batman who laughs is talking to this whole time. So do you think it's within the main multiverse, or do you think it's in within Earth-22? I think it's probably within the main multiverse. I, it occurs to me that it could be Hawkman. Mm. Ooh. Since, like, he's up. coming back. But see, it doesn't really look like him, but you can't really see Mummified? Like yeah, for some reason. I thought it was a woman for some reason. But something about the nose. I see but, that. I see, but we don't, yeah, I but see we that. we don't know. It's a mystery. Feminine features. I see that. Maybe it's Hawk Girl. I was thinking it was Barbara Gordon. Maybe it's the shadow. The wheelchair says Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. God, that would be horrible. Yeah. If it's like the Joker Batman messing up with Barbara Gordon. Oh, God, that would be really... They wouldn't really... do that, would they? This issue got very dark, I feel like. This this issue, like, pulled no punches Oh, to yeah, me. Superman tearing apart his family. <laughs> yeah. yeah, him tricking Superman into murdering his family. Whoa. If they do that, that's... That's... I'll respect That's them. a bad move. Do it. <laughs> do it. That's... Picking on Barbara Gordon and the Joker's weird psychosexual thing with her through the killing joke and how the, like her wheelchair is a direct result of the killing joke. I feel like that's that's a little too much of a, a hot button for for DC to handle. It'll work. Um, I give this a nine. I think like the art coupled with like the just the really horrific storytelling and how well it wrapped everything. Like every issue related to metal that has come out, like the last several of them has just like solidified the overall package to me. Like it's, it's gone from being kind of a joke, non-serious series to being a, a joke, but it's also just like, well done. Nine what? Uh, I give this nine screaming bat Robin boys. Ooh, I like that. 
I'm nine, gonna give it... nine dying super families being murdered by their father. <laughs> and husband. I'm gonna give give it eight bat Uzis. Because I liked it. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Yeah, you did. Romy? I also hope that this, this <clears throat> ends up not continuing, just self-contained. Do I, do I prefer, prefer when they collect it that it's not be called Else Worlds? I want it to be called called uh, Metal Worlds. Metal uh, Worlds. Or just metal as shit. I will, metal! <laughs> I will give this... I'm going to give this ten... What the fuck, Roman? <laughs> in a, in a, what the fuck? I'm going to give this 10 inappropriate Batman sudden chuckles at death. Oh, that was a great moment. <laughs> I love that panel. And the look on Superman's face, he's just like, oh. There are some really great moments in this that I want, yeah, we don't want to spoil for you, but yeah, there's. No, I spoiled that one. No, no, they don't know. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I love this one. I mean, there was the, the art, everything in it, there was so much. I read it right before the podcast, sitting on the stool down the stairs, and. And there was all these moments where I was like, oh, my God, that's horrible. And Trevor was, like, in the room. He's like, you got to that part, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Tybo? It's between eight or nine. Um, you can go eight and, eight and a half. Eight and a half. I give it eight and a half <laughs> um, classic Batman references. Because oh. <laughs> there's a lot of them in there. Yeah. Um, I have a question for y'all now. Is oh. Now that we got all these done, I wouldn't really count that Wild Hunt would be part of these one-shots. Uh, what was your favorite one? I know you, you said this was your favorite one, Jeff. Yeah. Man, I like this one a lot. I also really like the Flash one, um, mostly because of how he knocked Flash out and strapped him to the front of the car. <laughs> Metal. The, 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 front of a, the front of a Batmobile that had been equipped with the cosmic treadmill. Like, that's a bunch of shit put together that doesn't belong. I love it. <laughs> I'm uh, not that, but I was about it, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it would be a tie between this one and the first one. Man, that's a tough one. I, for me, it'd be a tie between this one and a uh, tie between this one <laughs> and uh, <laughs> tie presto. Actually, <laughs> it's one word. Um, between this one and the uh, what was it called? The, the one where it becomes the God of War. Dawnbreaker? No, Merciless. That was Merciless. Merciless, yeah, because I really like that one a lot too. Had a I think twist. This, this one. Okay, this one because the art that puts it a little bit above merciless. But the me. merciless did have that maniple art, which was great. Yeah, and I no, love right, Batman right Lost. Oh, yeah, no, it's no right row. Yeah, I'm in the minority with this. I thought Murder Machine was the best one. Oh, uh, only because I've never read a good cyborg book, and I <laughs> I thought that was just I don't know. I guess it was just so refreshing to me the way I like thought about cyborg. And, like, I thought it was, like, oh, he's a robot, cyborg Batman. But, like, it's so much more in that issue. Um, I don't know. I'd say that one is definitely my first favorite one. But, yeah, I, I, I'd call Batman Who Laughs the second one. No, Flash. No, Red Death. <laughs> Red Death is definitely the second one. You should have seen his face as he battled Ooh. himself. Yeah. Um, I got inner demons. I guess, like, the three that I just <laughs> mentioned there is if you look at the Flash one, the Batman one, and the Batman Who Laughs, I don't know if it has to be some kind of continuity thing, but, like, those are two different conflicting personalities within one being in each one mm-hmm. of those scenarios. And I'm drawn to that, that whole Dr. Jekyll and Hyde stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Ty Presto is Two-Face. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I'm, tie I'm Joker, Ro- or Braden is the ventriloquist, or he's Mad Hatter. I'm Old Man Dust. <laughs> we all picked a Batman villain at one point, point. it was pretty sweet. 
Gosh, you guys. Um, <laughs> I feel like by the time you guys hear this, uh, we'll be just a couple days away from the midnight release of Doomsday Clock, which we're doing here. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is going to be awesome. Midnight. I think we're, we're going to be three days from there. Yeah. Well, I guess if we get it's this up Monday, it'll be the next day. So I, I hope you guys are a part of that. We <clears> haven't <throat> mentioned this in a while, but uh, we've gotten some voicemails from Justin. We've gotten some voicemails from other people. I would love to get some more voicemails Send a voicemail in if you ever want to be on the podcast. We'd love to have you on. We love our customers and our listeners. Um, I'm going to see if I remember this phone number still. Uh, the number for our podcast is 1-619-663-7336. Is that right? It's either 1-619-669 <laughs> or 663. Uh, I think I think you were right. I think I was right. I think it's yeah, 663. Let's, let's say you're right. Maybe, it sounded good. Maybe leave, a, maybe leave a voicemail for somebody else. That's okay. That's okay. Just talk to them like uh, they're us, and maybe they'll get us the, the file. Man, now I'm questioning myself. I, I think you're right. I think you should call both. If you don't get Django's voicemail, you know you did the wrong one. 1-619-663-7336. We're good. Um, <laughs> also, you should review us on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, please do. It's yeah. a really weird thing to ask, but if you uh, if you like us, if you don't like us, if you have thoughts, you could email them to us, or you could write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, tell your friends, but... Really, like the reviews, whether they're good or bad, they're helpful to us. I think. I think so too. The Unless they hurt our feelings, as helpful. But, <laughs> but just like still helpful though. Showing the people listen to it, I think, is good. It takes takes seconds out of your day, entire seconds. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Google Google likes reviews of our store. Um, I also <laughs> want to thank uh, Nick Wait for the usage of our theme song. Uh, you can find more music by him at SoundCloud.com backslash Stemmingway S T E M I N G W A Y. Thanks. We love all of your music on here. It's awesome, poppy stuff. That's what we long long to be like. Um, here, 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 here. Yes. Like with your ear, ear. Here, here. I'm Jeff Figley. My feet have stayed pretty dry this whole day. I'm Django. My feet just got sweaty again. I'm Roman. I've got one sweaty foot, and the other one's bone dry. Ugh. I'm Ty, and I'm sweating onions right now. I smell it all over me. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to eat those pitas. Know, it's Ty, it's thanks me so hungry. much for coming on, thanks man. For You'll be on, on again. Absolutely, no problem. Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't, hope this isn't a request or anything, but I want like a Ty's tie-in thing. I think that'd be. <laughs> oh man, got me an underutilized. Right Absolutely, now. <laughs> Ty's in. Ty's in. I like it.